0: You're listening to Manufactured with Kim von der Wehrt, and this is a podcast about sustainability and the making of fashion. Join me every week in conversation with the people who manufacture what we wear. This is part two of a conversation between two suppliers and an impact investor, in case you missed part one, I want to briefly introduce each of the guests. On the supplier side, I'm joined by Hillmond Hui and Lubaina Sharpuwala. Helmand is vice president of Bombex and vice president at PFG. PFG is a manufacturing company with factories across mainland China and Hong Kong doing textile production, dyeing, weaving, cut and sew, logistics, and has a long history of producing for brands like Eileen Fisher. Bombex is a subset of PFG. Their focus is on regenerative silk production and transforming the way silk is produced, traded, and consumed. They're on a mission to do everything from dirt to fabric and beyond. If you want to learn more about Bombics, be sure to go back and check out episodes 69 and 70. Lubaina is a partner at Mustang Enterprises. Mustang produces socks in India, both for the local market as well as for export markets. Mustang is a rare woman-owned manufacturing company focused on eco-friendly processes and products. They also wholeheartedly support ethical trade movements. Finally, on the investor side, I'm joined by Johanna Schmidt. Johanna is an investment strategist at Triodos Investment Management in the Netherlands, and they're really pushing the boundaries of what sustainable investing means. Prior to working for Triodos, Johanna also worked for ratings agencies. In part one, we covered some important groundwork, like what exactly do Hillmund, Lubina and Johanna do? What is impact investing anyway? How do impact investors decide what constitutes a good investment? And where does the information come from? In this episode, we use that groundwork as a springboard for getting into some big questions. We start with certifications. How does Johanna decide which certifications to look at and which ones are any good? What do Hillman and Lubina think about this? What's their own experience with certifications been like? Do they think it's information that it makes sense for investors to be looking at? We then open things up to an even bigger question. What do Lubina and Hillman want from the brands they produce for? And what role could impact investors play in supporting this? Hint, it has something to do with relationships and partnerships and fairness. This podcast is a passion project and a labor of love. Support the show by following me on Instagram at manufactured underscore podcast, or sign up for the bi-weekly newsletter at www.manufacturedpodcast.com for an overview of the latest episodes, articles I've recently published, and links to off the beaten path reading. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can make a Patreon donation at www.manufacturedpodcast.com. Last but not least, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and hit subscribe. This helps other people find the show, and I'd really love your help with that. I want to turn to certifications, because if one of the pieces of information that you as impact investors are looking at is what has been publicly disclosed by a publicly listed company presumably one of those things would be what kinds of certifications they require of their supply chains. And I want to turn it over to Hillman to actually ask the question related to this, because I know it's something that's that's on his mind.
1: You know, when you're looking through all the different certifications and and sort of the requirements that they uh, the require for the facility to, to, to meet, I mean, how... How do you determine which certification is the best? Whether or not you need them, I mean, what parts of certifications do you, you know, would you take or whatever? If you're looking to invest, or you're looking at brands to invest in, um, you know, listed brands that either are claiming sustainability, claiming sustainable sourcing, or trying to move toward that perspective, how do you determine whether or not they're Requirements for their supply base, their, their requirements for the supply chain are really making an actual difference, or are they just becoming these hurdles that make the supply chain's efficiency slower and slower? Uh, I'll, I'll leave it there, part A and part B.
2: To check on different certificates, yes. Uh, They're like talking about cotton, we talked about that earlier, like looking at BCI, you know, ma- mainly the uh, big companies they talk about um, at BCI. Uh, but the better cotton initiatives and uh, claim great progress on that. Fair enough. But then it's uh, also that it's BCI is only looking at a few criteria when it comes to cotton. So, yes. in Bina, you mentioned GOTS, which is much more comprehensive. So, the small brands, usually or often the ones that we invest into the private side. They rely on the God certificate. It's so much better. But then the brands, the big ones, are not there yet. So then as an investor, it's like, you know, like pushing them towards that end. But like I mean, organic cotton, the market is a whole different, different yeah. Oh it's so complex. It's it, that's what I find fascinating. And then like uh yeah how how do you go about it? Like claiming that oh yeah we have 100% PCI and we're done. It's not the way forward. So um and if that's you know something uh, reported in the ESG analysis or something and then the company gets a star for that, I don't agree with that. You need to look deeper. And uh, to know how much the companies are really doing, it's I think mainly about asking very detailed questions and really you know, uh, understanding the issues yourself as an investor. Transparency and traceability is something that we really push for.
0: When I was a factory manager, one of my challenges, like I I think indirectly it speaks to your question also, Hilman, but like I was going through all of these certifications and I went into these certifications like, I mean, my previous life prior to working as a factory manager was as a student of human rights, right? So I went into these certifications sort of like, and specifically the one I was working on was SA8000 certification. And I went into it sort of like fully prepared and willing to give this certification Mm. scheme, the benefit of the doubt. And like, yes, this was going to be a good thing. This was going to make us a more responsible business, et cetera, et cetera. But sort of as I did it, I sort of had a lot of those assumptions challenged. And at the end of it, I was kind of like, okay, well, maybe this is an important tool for communicating with our customers. But if you ask me, has it really substantively improved our business? Like my personal experience was that, no, it it really hadn't. And it was more a way of just like kind of, Uh, And if anything, it it was expensive because we had to pay for it ourselves, the certification. You know, you you pay for the audits yourself. And then also it created a lot of extra overhead and a lot of extra work. I mean, we had to have somebody on staff who basically managed only that. Uh, Lubina, you mentioned that you were doing these certifications uh, and that you felt like maybe they did add value. Hillman, I see you kind of smiling and giggling. I'm curious sort of your experience with them, but like... Kind of like the the heart of what I'm trying to get at here is, on the one hand, Johanna, you've explained that these certifications are one part of how you're screening companies, and yet something I've heard from suppliers repeatedly on this show in different ways, shapes, and forms, and certainly not from all of them, but from a lot of them, has been that these certification schemes you know, are are um, not that useful for them and sort of share my perspective that, you know, they didn't really substantively help to make them a better business. Um, and so I'm curious, Lubaina and Hillman, your thoughts on this and also to sort of put the question back to you. If you were going to advise an impact investor on what they should look at to know, you know, how responsible a supply chain is, Would these audits be part of it? And if not, how could we do this in a way that's a little bit more bottom up?
3: Um, We're always, um, I'll take that first, Kim. The thing is that we're, um, between uh, us, we're always debating whether it's worth our while. I mean, not a week goes by where Nazneen and myself have not sat down and said, is it worth it? Is it worth managing the compliance teams? Is it the, you know, putting all that pressure on our people, whether they have to make sure those, you know, the sexual harassment register, the pregnancy register. I'm not sure whether you can look at it as in total that it's bad. There is stuff that's helped us as well. But there is, there are times where we put our foot down and say, hey, just this doesn't work. Take your business and go. And I think, we uh the, the factories have to be able to be able to prove that they are being ethical they are being honest and they are being fair and this is the law of the land and this needs to be supported by us and that's what we've done i mean we've had i, I told you about this incident where a, a customer of ours recently insisted that we have four uh, people being trained and they wanted an exam to be given in english and everybody was suffering because four months and they were saying, we need to hire somebody who can speak English that well and give this exam. And I got to know a little later because I went back to the client and I said, you tell us to put up signages in local languages and the people, now you got them run the uh, uh, exam for us in the local language or I don't have people for you. Take your business and go. And this, oh, we really didn't realize it. Labai. Now we'll shift it for you. We'll do an exam in local language. So I think, that if you're doing something honest and you have conviction in what you're doing and you're able to justify that you're doing a, a good, honest day's work, there has to be some customization of all these things to, to what we're doing. There has to be a middle line. And and I think if you're doing uh, honest, ethical work, it can be seen. And that's where we uh, we, we th- that that middle point comes through. And, and Joanna, the second point of my, you know, the thing is, uh, we've been um, careful we've got 30 um, uh, percent of our business in the domestic market 30 percent of our business in the export market and 30 percent of it in in indian brands that we deal in so at any point in time we're not dependent on any particular vertical and because we have our own own brand that we sell in the indian market we kind of um, you know, have our energies put there as well. So that's that's our own baby, and that's how we do it. So it's a pretty fair mix. And and I'm 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 the optimistic. I mean, I we've had great support from the compliance agencies, and they said if you can't do it, that's fine. Let's work a way out of it. But I guess we are making a product in India that that's not made so easily, and it's not available in India so easily. So maybe we have the edge. But maybe if you were making T-shirts, they would say, go on, I'm going to somebody else. I don't know.
2: I think that's very interesting what you just said um, also about like if we do just good and ethical work, then, you know, uh, let us do it and don't uh, or leave us alone with all the certificates. And I think that's a little bit like this. You know, like this distance between, between the worlds of like, you know, really manufacturing garments or like, you know, sitting behind a desk as an inv- investor, because in order to, for us to know what's going on at the factory le- level, we kind of have to rely on like public disclosure by the companies. They need to kind of put it in a model or a category yes. and use the certificates for that and employ somebody else. So, but that's exactly the thing also when it comes to, um, you know, moving from conventional to organic cotton you need to build these relationships and have a relationship of of trust and then you can i think to really move further to sustainability and uh, durable uh, production than with all like the the
1: certificate honestly i agree uh with with everything that's been said first of all i agree johanna that you know as an investor and in some way the brands asking or working with us, our, our brand partners working with us are investing their time and, and, and their money and their resources uh, to work with us, you know, in, 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 in working with a brand and investing in a brand or as the brand invests in this supplier, they really have to understand our situation. And I'm going to go back um, to what Lubanin was saying. I mean, there are certifications out there that may well, uh, for the majority... Uh, represent what they're the change that they're trying to make but unfortunately there are you know plenty of others that may not fully represent that and the issue with I mean I'll speak personally the issue with us is you know being a supplier working with so many different brands whether they're domestically whether they're um, offshore wherever they are everybody's sort of got their own idea of which certification they want which, which uh, you know certification cocktail they want from from this particular supplier but I, I, I fear, and I, because I can't make this assumption, but I fear that they're not exactly understanding this, you know, my particular situation in my particular facility and whether or not the particular standards in these particular certifications are actually, you know, relevant for this particular facility, right? Because, I mean, there are, you know, blanket certifications that say, oh, across the world, you need to do this and this and this and this, but that just might that just might not be relevant in this particular country or even 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 on on a more micro scale it might not even be relevant in this particular province a standard of living across the uh, on the coastline of china is very different to the standard of living within within you know inland where we are and sometimes we're seeing that we're getting asked to meet certain standards of coastline when it's just not it's, it's, it's just not feasible at the prices that they're giving us or at the costs that they're giving us, or they're asking us to do, you know, certain practices that's just not relevant to our particular facility, but it's in the list that, 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 you know, their certification requires. And, and I totally agree. It's that these, these, these certifications, they're, 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 they're a way for us as a supplier to communicate that we're meeting particular standards in a particular area. But I also th- more I think more so. It's a way for these brands to then communicate to their consumers that that their supply chain and their meeting. Um you know these the, these particular standards in choosing to work with suppliers that have this certification. But I think that there may be a need to really dive deep into these certifications, or maybe even try and come up with a new one. Um, you know, for certain areas, I think that certifications may may need to be regional. Um, GOTS is a good one because I think that they do a good job of looking at the different areas and the different um, uh, the different environments that 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 the different crops need to go through. That you know, all the different needs of the different uh, types of soils and and and. And and the humidities and the temperatures, I think that that's a good one. It's a good one to take example from. But I think that there are also a lot of different social um, certifications that sort of place a blanket standard on on the entire world. And it becomes very difficult for some suppliers to meet that. And because of that, they lose business that they might not be able to lose. And then it becomes to the other side, um, like Lubaina, they just put their foot down and say, look, I'm not working with you. Your certification doesn't work. It just doesn't work. We're doing something great. You've come to my facility. You can see this. You can feel it. You can feel it in the energy here. You know, why are you letting this one thing, you know, as trivial as a pen in the wrong place, stop our business? Because that has happened before. Oh, this pen is out of place. Fail. That has happened before, unfortunately. And, and, and it's, and it's down to yeah. the local, it's down to the local, um, uh, auditors that, that make this decision. And by the time, you know, by the time the customer comes to the facility to take look, okay, what's wrong? What happened to this certification? The order has gone. The season's gone. And, and, and your two seasons down and, and that becomes an issue. But I think that, I think that it's getting, I think that it's, it's getting a little better slowly. I think that we're, I think that we're pointing toward the right direction, um, in, in, in regards to like transparency and, and, and traceability. I think these are the two main things that are going to sort of bring this to light. And you know, I think that more and more people are talking about these certifications and how they may or may not be fair or unfair uh, in particular situations. But that's sort of my two cents on this. There are some that work, there are some that don't and you know if if honestly there will there will never be one magic certification that works for everybody. That's what I can say.
0: I wanna just throw out a big question. And then Hillman and Lubina give you each a chance to uh, respond to it. Um, but before I throw that question out, there's, I think, a couple of words I want to highlight, like one that came up, I think, in both what Hillman, what you were saying, and also Lubina, what you're saying is the importance of relationships. Right. And that's like that to me is in a way the crux of the issue. Relationships are one-to-one and how do you look at those or talk about those in a way that can be done at scale and I don't know Um, And the other one is transparency, too. And the way we think or often talk about transparency sort of inherently top down, like is a brand talking about its suppliers, is a supplier talking about its suppliers, et cetera, et cetera. But I once had a supplier say to me, well, why don't we flip it? What if transparency was like suppliers saying, these are the brands that I work with and this is how well they're doing? You know, and that sort of brings me, number one, to the question that I want to close on, which is. What would you, Hillman and Lubina, need from brands? Um, And what can investors do to give you that? And to kick things off, I'll answer it from my own perspective first. But when I have my factory manager hat on, really what I would have liked from brands would be, like instead of I think a lot of times the the focus on these certification schemes or ways of like looking at whether a brand is behaving responsibly or not are sort of outward facing. So like what is a brand doing vis a vis its supply chain? You know is it requiring certain certifications? Are they doing you know their due diligence, et cetera, et cetera? And really what I would have like wanted or looked for, which I sort of alluded to earlier, is what if like they could be inward facing? So what if like, you know, these are systemic problems, we're all implicated and part of the problem and part of the solution in our own way. And like the litmus test that I held myself to as a factory manager was at the end of the day, can I look in the mirror and can I sort of assert with confidence that nothing I have done, none of my own business practices have contributed to or created the incentive for somebody else? to do something unethical. Whether they have or haven't done something unethical after that, in the, at the end of the day, is sort of out of my control. But have I at least done my part to make sure that I haven't created the incentive or contributed to somebody else's deci- you know, decision to behave a certain way? In, in other words, how does my behavior impact others? And that's what I sort of wish that we were uh, talking about. But that's my
3: my vote. I'll start with... Um, A small incident, Um, very simple. One of our clients told us to sign a a contract, right? That if you deal with us, you don't deal with so-and-so. And And the first thing I said is, if I sign this with you, will you sign a contract back saying that you'll buy only from us and no one else? So I'm just saying that uh, if you want me to behave a particular way, are you capable of behaving in a particular way as well? It's very simple, right? It takes two to make a build a relationship. It takes two to build a business. It takes two for friendship, for marriage, for everything, right? So the very simple thing is that, that if you're asking something of that degree with me, are you capable of being as fair, as honest, as prompt with me, whether it's sending me a reply on email, whether it's replying to my text on an odd day because you demanded of me, but when it's your weekend, it's off. So, Tell me, are you willing to give me that sort of um, commitment back? We're willing to give you that back. And as far as communicating with all our people, um, Kim, you asked, and, you know, I had this, I was, when I started, I was very young, when I was 24, when I started, I was part of the business, and I remember I was at a conference, and I asked one of these stalwarts in the industry, and I said, you know, how do I bring my ethics down to the workers, I mean, you know, I want it down to be to, to the woman who's cleaning the floor to have the same ethics that I have and and believe in the integrity of the work that I do and, and come happy to work and joyous that they're doing something and they're contributing. And they said, do you walk through your factory? Do you walk the corridors of your plant and your facility? And I said, yes. And he says, do you actually go there and work? And I said, yes, he says, well, you're leading by example. You don't need to do very much more. I mean, that sounds very nice. But the point is, you have to walk your talk. So when you're stuck in the middle of making a tough decision, we actually have a client who tells me, Lubaina, if there's a problem in the product, whether the spandex is showing or it's grinning or if there's a problem and you feel there's a problem in this product, we actually honestly tell them, listen, there is a problem in these 200 pieces out of the 20,000 that been made. But I don't think there will be an issue on the floor and this won't come back as a return because I won't do this with the product myself. So now you give me your decision. And that's how we work so again uh, uh, it has to come um, both ways and because we we are um, that honest transparent and and giving the clients are willing to give us that that openness to work with us and that's how you kind of build on the relationship you build throughout i guess and it goes and this 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 conversation filters all the way down into every aspect of our business and we we encourage people to kind of own up mistakes and say hey listen the thing is we've created an ecosystem where we said that if there is an if there is an error here is a mistake it's my mistake so first i help you you know recover and then we go out and, and we don't we don't damn anybody for anything wrong that they've done And that's the culture we're
1: trying to bring i mean i i agree i totally agree i think that i think that trust um you know relationship fairness these are these three words. I mean, these three words have been missing for far too long. I think that I, you know, speaking from my perspective and, and, and only personally, and I think I, I may be speaking uh, for a lot of suppliers, is if these three words are present in, 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 in this brand, in this brand partner, in, in what we have, this is a brand partner we do not want to let go of. This is a partner we want to be with for life. This is a partner we want to grow with. We would do more. To satisfy this type of partner than somebody else who pays us more than this partner because we see that sustainable growth. We see that there. We see and we feel that this particular brand partner is understanding to our issues, understanding to our headaches, understanding to our situation. Because I, I, mean, I, I, would, I would rather make a little bit less on this one order or on this and this and this and this. And this. If I knew that this particular customer was going to be understanding further down the road, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. It's a partnership. That's the way it should be. But unfortunately, nowadays, you know, we, we, we start these partnerships. We start these partnerships and everything's nice and dandy and everything's fine. But then once you start getting down into the nitty gritty, once you start getting down into the daily, that's when things start to go off the rails. Because and and I'm not necessarily pointing anybody out or, or any particular level of people out or any particular, you know, uh, position out, but when when you get into the the the, the, the nitty gritty of an order like oh, elite times or this one centimeter here or these particular numbers there or oh I'm late by a day or two, this is when you know all that pressure is coming down from top down. Like, no, we need this order. You figure it out. You deal with it. You do whatever you need to do. And a lot of times people tend to take the easy way out. They just start to shift the blame onto somebody else. And it goes both ways. I mean, the factory could shift the blame to the, to, to the, to the brand partner and the brand partner could then shift the blame to the factory. The point is none of that matters. When, when we're working on an order, none of it matters whose fault it is. What matters is this is late. Let's figure out how to fix it. And if we're in a situation like that, we would much rather have a partner come to us and say, look, we understand it's late, we get it. We're going to take this order from you, don't worry, but we'll have to figure out some sort of way where you're going to help us later on or help us on this deal. We're happy to work with you know customers like this. When it comes to certifications, like I said before, I mean, there's certain things that work and certain things that don't work. If the brand partner would truly understand the supplier and the situations on the day-to-day or the situations even in a season and and, and, and just... Work with us. Work with us, and it goes both ways. We have to work with the supplier too. I mean, we can't. We have to work with the brand partner too. We can't sit here while say the brand partner is perfect in all of their entire SOP is perfect in all of their entire TNA, and then come up with some reason like, oh yeah, your 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 nominated supplier was late this you know one day, so now your order is late three months. That's not fair. But I've seen it done. I've seen it happen. You know that goes both ways. It's trust. It's 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 partnership. It's fairness. Fairness is, I think, the the, the key word. Um, and and right now, I don't see uh, any one certification or any one sort of certifying body or auditing body that that stands out in terms of this particular metric. And it's something that is missing, I think. And and so there also needs to be an environment where uh, it, it's 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 like it's like um, it's like the Viner was saying before. We need to create an environment where nobody's going to be afraid of being you know, pointed at or, or, or the blame shifted on them. It's not about blame, no matter if the issue came from the supplier or if the issue came from the brand or if the issue came from weather. I mean, there's no point in saying, oh, this is your fault. You pay for it there 's just no point in saying that before the before the order has already gone out, so I think that this particular what we need to answer your question what what we as a supplier, whether it 's a raw material supplier side or 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 a, or a full finished product supplier side, what we need is the fairness and, and that understanding and that respect from each other because sure, you know without the brand partners orders and without that money, we might have an issue, but at the same time. You know, without us here doing all of what we're doing, I think you're going to have an issue too. And this is not, this is not uh, meant to, you know, agitate or, or, or be aggressive. It's just the fact we're all in this together. You know, we're in the same boat together. And all we want to do is continue to make these goods. All we want to do is continue to make impact. All we want to do is continue to help everybody be the best and succeed. That's all everybody wants to do. And I think that that gets forgotten. And I don't think that it is a metric right now, or it's enough of a metric right now.
3: No, I agree with you. There are cust- I, I completely agree with you. There are customers that we're working with for the last 18 years. Um, there have been times where they've had to cancel an order. We're stuck with yarn. We're sometimes stuck with socks. But there's never been a time where we haven't been able to work out how to use that, whether it was a finished product or whether it was actual yarn. We've always said, "Hey, we have this now. How can we use it? Let's let's use it in another order. Let's phase it out like this. Let's work it out
1: like this." I I I do want to mention, in all fairness, in all fairness to you know my brand partners, I'm not experiencing this as much as many other suppliers are experiencing this. This is stuff that we have experienced before this is stuff that we've witnessed other suppliers you know experience it still happens today with us it does but it's not to the point you know it's not to the point where you know it's we have to close down because of this however it is a real problem it is a real problem and from an investor side i mean it's 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 tough because you'd have to understand the entire supply chain
0: so johanna I'm going to give you the chance. To, I want to hear from you. What do you think investors can do to bring this about? Wow. Um,
2: well, I think, first of all, it's it's super interesting what I just heard from Helmut and Lubaina. I mean, for me, it's a lot about just um, breaking or adding some other nice words to the list. Uh, communication and power. So as investors, we need to have the right you know knowledge and that's also what you said kim uh communicated in a digestible way and i think that's also uh very challenging for investors like so we talk to the brands the brands talk to the first tier supplier they talk to their f- suppliers further down and all the way to the raw material producer and um yeah how how do we um make a better understanding there and i recently saw like a, a system where you could like scan a code of a of a clothing piece or something and then like you see the whole trans uh, the whole supply chain where even suppliers could fill in so you could both fill in your the information about your factories and then like you know it's really increasing transparency i think that's the first thing and then also traceability which is super important um the other big word is power so, what I hear from Lumina, like in your uh, Factory, you're, you're very old company, you're very powerful. You can more or less set the conditions. Uh, if somebody uh, doesn't, well, gives you, uh, you know, uh, claw uh, paragraphs in a contract that you don't like, you will just say, no, I, I don't take it. Or you crave a, a, an equal commitment, which I think is great. But I kind of have a feeling that Hillman may be struggling with craving such a commitment in a different setting, working with different customers, um, maybe the very big ones, and being less a niche product without getting into the details or having the details in my head. Because the way that I see it from my whatever uh, European perception as an investor talking to brands, it's always, oh, those poor suppliers, those poor factories somewhere else, you know. Uh, And it's like, I think... You know the the problems that just trickle down, Hillman. I think you you gave very very hands on examples, it's like you know, oh this is a this is a problem, and then you go and shout at somebody else. And I was just reminded, of, uh, like Western corporate culture, like how do you how we work, for instance, in a bank in in a team, if somebody is not able to do, deliver on a publication, we sit mm-hmm. together and say, okay, how can we solve it? It's not like Johanna, you're gonna be fired, you know that's mm-hmm. not going to happen um because you know we want to work together and i think if we have such a um yeah relationship also across the supply chain um with more equal power um uh, distribution that would be that would be a really a good thing the question is how do we get there how can we um basically empower um suppliers
0: i don't know kim if you have <laughs> thoughts about that <laughs> well i maybe throw this out as a closing thought but one of the themes that comes up a lot time and again on this podcast and with various suppliers that we've talked to is that it requires sort of Mm. shared skin in the game, you know, and Hillman, you mentioned the word partnership. And really, like, if you take partnership, it's in sort of like the strictest definition of the word, it's sort of shared profits and losses. And I think that at the end of the day, when we talk about this power imbalance, really what we're talking about is an unequal distribution of financial risk and reward. and so my question closing sort of not you know thought is like, well what role does the investor community have to play in sort of making that distribution of financial risk and reward more equitable? you know could could the impact investing community have a role in terms of shifting our understanding of shareholder obligations to something that's a little bit broader, a little bit more long term, um, and that really looks at this distribution of financial risk? I know we've opened more questions than we have found answers, but. I'm conscious of time, and so I'm unfortunately going to have to close this conversation. But Hilman, Lubina and Johanna, thank you so much for coming on the show and for um, being willing to participate in this experiment and uh, kicking off, I think, a needed and missing conversation. Thank you for listening to Manufactured. Support the show by following me on Instagram at manufactured underscore podcast, or sign up for the bi-weekly newsletter at www.manufacturedpodcast.com for an overview of the latest episodes, articles I've recently published, and links to off-the-beaten-path reading. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can make a Patreon donation at www.manufacturedpodcast.com. Last but not least, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and hit subscribe. This helps other people find the show, and I'd really love your help with that.